0: You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope.
1: In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear Saints, Jesus is going to Jerusalem and he is going there to die. Now two times already he's told his disciples about it and we have in the gospel text for today the third passion prediction. Jesus says, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day he will rise. Now, this is pretty clear. The text is not difficult to understand. Jesus is using plain words, but the disciples don't get it. In fact, Luke tells us this with almost a humorous overstatement. He's going, to, he's going to tell us that the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was saying, but not just once, and not just twice, three times these words. But they, the disciples, understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. <laughs> Luke wants us to know that the disciples had no idea what Jesus was talking about. The disciples were were there looking at Jesus saying, I wonder what he's up to. Jesus says, I'm here to die. And they think, I wonder what he's doing here. (laughs) Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem to be arrested, to suffer, to die and be buried and then to be raised. And the disciples say, why are we going to Jerusalem? It just doesn't make sense to the disciples that Jesus would die. And in fact, the the more they know about Jesus, the less it makes sense. That he's the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, the creator of the world, God of God, light of light, very God of very God. And the more they know about Jesus, the less his dying makes any sense to them. Here is the Lord of life, the creator and sustainer of the entire universe, the one who has power and authority to turn water to wine, to still the sea, to make the blind man see, who even raises the dead with a word or with a touch. Death cannot touch Jesus. Here at last in Christ is a man who had in himself life in its fullness, who was free from the curse of Adam, who would live forever. And this one says, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. Now, the first time Jesus says this to the disciples, Peter stands up and in fact rebukes Jesus. Matthew 16, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Remember that? And Peter receives at, at that rebuke of Jesus, Peter receives from the Lord the harshest rebuke we ever have recorded from the lips of Jesus. Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. It is is the mind of man that thinks that Jesus shouldn't be dead. It's the mind of the flesh, the mind of your flesh, that doesn't think that Jesus should be on the cross. It's the mind of the devil that would prevent him from going to Jerusalem to die. And why is it? And why does your mind, your sinful mind, So resist resist the crucifixion of Jesus. I think there's a number of reasons for this, but this morning I want to think of two of them. Consider two. The first is this. We think, if Jesus is strong enough to not die, then he shouldn't. I mean, after all, if we had this kind of power, this kind of vitality, life in itself that no sickness, that the grave and death couldn't touch us, then we would live forever. We would stay alive. Now, I I think this kind of thinking is behind one of the major arguments of unbelievers about the problem of being a Christian or or believing in God at all. And that is the idea that we cannot account for evil in the world. If God is good, you've heard this argument, right? If God is good and God is all-powerful, then why doesn't he make everything nice? Why doesn't he bring an end to suffering? And the thinking behind that question, the reason that that question seems so difficult to answer, is this, if I had the power to end suffering, then that's exactly what I would do. But what if God wants to do something else with his power? What if instead of stopping all suffering, he wants to join with us in that suffering? What if instead of ending death, God Himself wants to die. What if, to destroy hell, God would suffer the pain of hell so that instead of ending all suffering, God Himself would become our brother in suffering and our Savior in death. That He would sink Himself into the very source of our suffering, that is our sin, and He would do all of this to be our Savior. See, we think that if we had the power, we would use it. But here is Jesus given to us in weakness. And this, dear saints, is for your salvation. Jesus will go to Jerusalem to die. I think one of the other major objections of our mind to Jesus going to Jerusalem to die is that it simply isn't fair. A man, we think, should suffer for his own sins. He shouldn't be punished for crimes that he doesn't commit. Now, when we really know our own sin, when it sinks into our conscience that that we've done something wrong, that we've hurt our neighbor and offended God, then we know at last that what we deserve is God's anger and wrath, and that punishment should be ours. But this realization comes at the end. In the meantime, we realize that we're sinners, but we don't realize how bad we are. Pastor Flammy and I and the elders were reading an article by a, uh, a theologian and thinker called, uh, named Jay Budashevsky. The article is titled The Furies of the Conscience. And he, he makes a very profound point about our conscience and that our conscience has some sense that we should suffer for our sins. That we should make an atonement for the things that we do wrong, for our mistakes. That our own sins should cause us pain. Now, this knowledge of the conscience conflicts with our normal way of thinking, which is probably something like pursue pleasure at all costs. And these two things that we know run into each other and conflict with one another and in fact make quite a mess. So we end up inflicting pain on ourselves, and Budaszewski brings out a couple quite horrible examples, because we know our sin should be suffered for. And I think we can all see this in ourselves. If we just consider the pain that we do cause ourselves, or the trouble that we think we deserve, or the way that we sabotage our own happiness or even our own faith, it's a kind of uh, self-atonement. And we try to sort out what we should suffer for our own sins. And if we think this about ourselves, we especially think it about other people. When we hear of horrific crimes on the news, or when someone does something to hurt us or to hurt the people that we love, we cry out for justice. And that means we cry out for pain. We want people to suffer for their crime. Again, this is a toning for sin through suffering. But the point is that we really don't know how bad we are. We don't have a right understanding of how much we should suffer. And so we are like the murderer who thinks that they can atone for their crime by serving five hours of community service. We say it just doesn't fit. The man doesn't have a right sense of the depth of their crime and the sentence doesn't match. It's not enough. And in fact, that's how it is with us. We don't know how bad we are. We don't, we don't really know that our insistence on justice is an insistence on condemnation. It's an un, unknowing insistence upon hell. And it turns out that the only suffering that can atone for our sins is the suffering of God's wrath. Now think about that for a little bit. You can't actually suffer for your own sins Because that suffering belongs to God. It is His wrath. Imagine it like this. Every sin that you commit puts a bit of suffering in a cup. Every crime, uh, every hurt that you cause, every misspoken word or deed, every time you fail to love someone or do something helpful, it's a little bit of suffering that goes into a cup. And you think, well now I've caused the suffering, I better drink it. But it turns out that that cup of suffering is in the hands of God. And it is up to Him who will drink it. You can't take it from Him yourself. Now, this conflicts with our human minds. You know this saying that we always say, you made your bed, you have to sleep on it? Is that how the thing goes? If it's my sin, it should be my suffering. I should own it. I should atone for it. If I caused the pain, I should have equal pain back. But look what happens. The Father, God the Father, takes that cup that is filled with His wrath over your sin, and He hands it over, not to you, but to His Son, Jesus. And He drinks it to the dregs. He suffers that wrath. He makes atonement for your sins. Now, it's not fair, we say, that someone else is suffering for my sins. But it's God's wrath. And He will do with it what He wants. And He wants to suffer in your place. Jesus wants to die For you. To save you. To rescue you from hell. To deliver you from death. To take you through sorrow and trouble all the way, all the way to life everlasting. Jesus says, I am going to Jerusalem. To die. To die for you. To suffer for you. To be buried for you. To be raised for you. And, dear saints, there is nothing that you can do to stop it. (laughs) And taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem so that everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, they will rise. The disciples did not understand what Jesus was saying to them. But by faith, you do. You know what Jesus is doing in Jerusalem, what He's done, what He's accomplished. And you rejoice in it. We glory in this cross of His because in this cross is His love for us. And in His death, is your salvation. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.